Good morning, everyone. Let's stand together as we praise our Father. By Jesus, the Holy Spirit, let's just praise. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us be glad and rejoice in it. Amen. Sing with me. He led me out of the desert. Brought me into his streams, river of living water. Turn my bitter into sweet, and all my burdens are lifted. He took the shackles off my feet. There's no sound louder than a captive set free. So let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Sing of his promises so blessed. Let's have praise go. Let it pour out. There is joy in the morning. Come on, y'all. Springing up in my soul, there is life worth living. Because he calls me his own. And there's a hallelujah. After sweet victory, and there's no sound louder than a captive set Amen to that. There's no sound louder than a captive set free. Oh, so let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Sing of his promises.
worship in the first service. I'm ready to raise the roof. I don't know if you guys are ready. Are you ready to raise the roof to this morning? All for his glory, all for his praise. Come on, let's have some church. He is our deliverer. He is our freedom. Sing it with me. I want to hear you guys sing it. Go. You are mine. Oh, yeah. It's freedom. Yes. We're living in the promised land, aren't we? Yes. He is our freedom. He is our everything. Yes. We're going to join you now. Let's sing to it. You are my deliverer. Freedom I'm living in. Thank you, Lord. You are my deliverer. You are my promised land. We're living in the promised you land. Is like sweet, sweet honey on my lips. It's like the sound of the symphony to my ears. It's like holy water on my skin.
Jesus, for all that you are, a name above every name, we're here this morning to worship you, to thank you for what you've done for us, what you're doing, Holy Spirit, in our lives now. As we come here this morning, we pray that you continue your good work in us, that you lead us into the paths of righteousness for your name's sake, Lord Jesus, that you guide our steps because we are the redeemed, and we say so. We declare it so in your authority, Jesus. You alone are worthy. You alone have the name that is above every name. Do you feel the world is broken? We do. Do you feel the shadows deepen? Do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through? We do. Do you wish that you could see it all made new? Sing we sing at church. We do. Hear our prayer, Lord. Is all creation groaning? Is a new creation coming? It is. Is the glory of the Lord to be the light within our midst? It is. Is it good that we remind ourselves of this? It is. the 
Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that you are Lord. He is. Lord, we worship you this morning. We welcome you here. We welcome your peace. We welcome your joy. We release everything to you, Lord. quaked before moved by the sound of his voice seas that are shaken and stirred can be calmed and broken for my regard
thank you, Lord, that we can declare that with confidence. It is well with our souls. Far be it from me to not believe. Even when my eyes can't see. And this mountain that's in front of me. Be thrown into the midst of the sea. Amen. Through it all, through it all, my eyes are on you. Through it all, through it all, it is well. Through it all, through it all, my eyes are on you, and it is well. going to invite you to be seated. Father, we're before you today, not as a bunch of strangers, but as sons and daughters, as family. We're here before you to honor you and to bless you and our praise and our worship. We want to send it up so that it literally becomes a place of habitation for you. 
to be quite honest, Lord, we, we don't want information. We want habitation. We, we don't want an event. We want habitation. We, we don't want to just have a one-off and have a day or have a runaway. We want habitation. And that is our heart is that as we dwell with you and in you, you dwell with us and in us. Even as your word says, you will be with us and you will be in us. That the kingdom is not only near, but the kingdom is here. And so we are grateful and we literally turn our hearts to you, our minds to you, our physical bodies to you, consecrating every bit of who we are. Every bit of who we are. And our declaration today is it is well with our souls as we are before you. That no matter what is happening in the world, no matter what is happening with world events, cultural events, cultural pressures, work pressures, life pressures, no matter what is going on, our declaration of faith and by faith is it is well with our souls today. No matter what, it is well because we trust you. We trust our outcomes with you, knowing that there are things to go through and things to bear before the outcomes are realized, but we trust you in the outcomes. And in the meantime, we trust you in the middle of it, whatever it may be. And we trust that you're turning our test into a testimony, our mess into a message, because that's who you are. You meet us where we are, but you love us so much that you do not leave us there. And so, Lord, we are on a journey with you, step by step, endeavoring to do the next thing you tell us to do. And it's our prayer, and it's our praise today. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Amen and amen. My name is Jimmy Pruitt. I'm the lead pastor here at The Bridge. I want to welcome you to The Bridge and say thank you for being with us today. After worship like that, I have to settle down for a minute because my heart's just... Just so enjoy it. Thank you. Thank our, can you bless our worship team? And thank them. Thank you, guys. Wow. And also, not to be forgotten, our production team who make it happen back there. You guys are awesome. Awesome. So such a blessing to work with amazing people. We are so blessed here at the bridge. If you are a first-time guest, welcome. Thanks for being here with us. And we want to welcome our first-time guest with a hand clap. So while we're clapping, go ahead and say thank you. Now, if you're watching online, and this is your time with us, our first time with us, welcome, and we're glad that you're here with us, and we have a lot of our home folk who at this point in time are still electing to stay at home, so it's good to see you, good to have you, or good to be seen anyway. Would you do us a favor, if you're on Facebook, go ahead and let us know where you're from. We love seeing where people are watching from, and we want to invite you to do something while you're there. If you would, uh, we want to invite you to pray for your own community right where you are. So wherever you happen to be, we're going to pray for our community here. We're going to lift up the churches in our community, knowing that God has a unique call on our area and our region, just as he does on yours. And so we invite you, wherever you are, that while we're praying for our community and our churches, that you do the same right where you are. And you should be known, whoever you may be, as the biggest fan, biggest cheerleader of the churches in your region and area that are preaching Jesus Christ. So we want to bless our churches as well. And Before they do that, just want to remind you of two things. First of all, if you are a first-time guest, if you would do us a favor and stop on the way out, we have a connection center right outside. It's on the left just as you go out the door. And there are cards there that you can fill out, uh, first-time guest or 
visitor, whatever, we'd love to get your information so that we can just reach out. And if you have any questions for us, we're here to answer questions and let you know what we're about and who we are. Do have to say one neat thing before I share the second thing, and that is this: we had 29 people at our new class, our new members class last Sunday, and we had 29 sign up and 29 showed up. So it was amazing. Yeah, amen. And so I want to welcome our new members and our new folks that are here, and we're just excited that even during a pandemic, God is on the move, right? Aslan is still moving, so we're excited about that. I want to welcome our new folks. Great to have you. For those of you that are watching online, too, if you have any prayer needs or requests, you can write us at info uh, at bridgefbg.com, and we'd love to get those, and we'll get those out to our prayer team, and we'll lift you up, and we're here to stand and hold your arms up. Also, just to let you know, we have exits right there at the door. I do this for our safety team because they're always on point and they're amazing and they remind me to do this. So exits there. We have an exit there at the back door just on the other side of our sound booth there. And then in the event of anything, every door in this place can go up. So we've got 30 doors around this, this place. So pick a door and go. So but we don't anticipate anything. But we like to do that just to let people know what's going on just for your safety and for your concern. So again, I want to say thank you for being here. We had an amazing first service, and God's really doing some things in us and what we believe through us to do, bring. We want to bring revival. We want to be a part of it. If we're not the epicenter, we want to be the cheerleader of whoever is, right? If it's not us, whoever it is. But I believe that what God's doing right now is going to be breakouts all over. I don't think the water level is going to rise in one place without it rising in the region. And so we're believing and we're asking for God to let us be a part of that. And so as we pray for our churches and our community this morning that are meeting, many and most have regathered. There's some still right there on the bubble regathering. So we want to pray for them. And again, those of you online, pray for those that are in your area right now. Would you join me in praying for the churches? Father, what a privilege it is to walk arm in arm, to walk together in unity, to advance the kingdom together. Lord, I thank you that the churches, as even as you see the church, in the Texas Hill Country, the church, not just churches, the church. That, Lord, you see a massive, beautiful jewel with many facets on it. And each of those facets have a different reflection and a different quality and a different, a different look from whatever vantage point we happen to be in. We still see the same jewel, even if it's from a different facet. So we bless and thank you for the uniqueness of each church, for the lane that you called each church body to run in. And, Father, as each of us respectively run our race in our lanes, we literally advance the kingdom ball down the field together. So what a privilege to do life with other churches in our community. We bless them. We speak life over them. Even as they're gathering, God, I pray for courage. Courage to walk with faith over fear. And we hold them up and bless them. In Jesus' name, everyone said, I love the sound of new life. Where's that baby coming from? Is that yours, Allie and Adam? Brand new baby. Isn't that awesome? We celebrate with you guys. Super happy for y'all. I love that sound. This has got my attention right away. So also want to always talk in terms of what we do when we come together. And one of the things we do in the spirit of worship is we celebrate communion together. And the word communion means common unity. And it really is a reference to our union with Christ and our union in Christ and can you imagine Jesus with his disciples sitting around a table? Now, we've been watching The Chosen lately. We're like totally addicted to that show right now. We're like starting our third time through. And just to see how they related to one another and the way that, that is represented by, by Dallas Jenkins and their team, how they've represented Jesus 
and with his disciples is so life-giving to me because it's how I've seen it. It's how, so it's beautiful. So a couple things I want to do. Uh, Amy and Jason are back here. They've got elements. If you did not pick up one of these when you came in, would you raise your hand? And we're going to celebrate communion together. So we have these, and they'll come. Just leave them up high enough so they can see you, and they'll get those to you. And for those of you who are online, if you want to join us, you can just make a quick run and grab anything, any elements you have there, and join us as we celebrate communion today. So they're coming your way. They'll get those to you. We've got some help there, too. So housekeeping, if you would, go ahead and take off the top level. That's the clear level. That'll expose the wafer. And then do the bottom. Just FYI and for your information. You'll thank me later. All right. So... Jesus, go with me. Use your sanctified imagination for a moment. Jesus with his disciples, not sitting but reclining at the table. That's how he did it first century style. They're reclining around a low table, and they're celebrating as they had many times. They're together and enjoying a meal. And Jesus understands that this is going to be the last time he's with them like this. And you can imagine Jesus, who was not only the son of God, the son of David, he was also the son of man. And so when he was on this planet, he was, he was God in an earth suit. He was, he was Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus was with us as a person. And as he's there with his disciples, he loved them. He spent three plus years with them going through all kinds of amazing adventures, seeing people healed, seeing people raised from the dead, seeing water turned to wine, not just, not just wine, but the best. I mean, he... He touched and did so many things. And as he's recounting that in his mind, as you can imagine, he's sitting there, you know, and this is the last time I will sit with them like this. I will not recline with them again like this until after I come into my kingdom. And so it had to be a very special moment for him. Judas had just been outed as a betrayer. And so you can imagine the atmosphere was very confusing. And Jesus does something unique. He takes a piece of matzah bread, which is an unleavened bread, almost like a cracker. And he holds it before him and he says, when you come together like this, he's talking about their fellowship, their communion, their community. When you come together like this, he says, I want you to remember me. And he takes that bread, so if you'll take your bread, your little wafer there. He takes the bread and he says, this is my body, broken for you. And he says this, he, he holds up the goblet, had wine in it, and he said, this is, my, this is my blood poured out for you, and it'll be poured out for the forgiveness of many sins. The body, the blood. He says, as often as you come together like this, he said, I want you to do it, I want you to remember me when you come together. Just remember me. So I want you to pause for a moment before you receive the elements. I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask you to remember What's your fellowship been like with Jesus this last week? For me, I'm not going to lie, we've been, we got, we, we've been watching The Chosen, so I've been a puddle all week. I just That show wrecks me. Every episode, every, I'm just ah, wiped out. So my experience with Jesus this week has just been very emotional and sweet. And I'm so thankful for that. But what has been your experience with Jesus this week? It's going to be unique to you. Would you remember that for a moment, Father? We're before you, sons and daughters, and we're grateful. And as we receive the body and blood of Jesus, we're thankful for our union with Christ, that we get to walk with you, that he identifies us, 
It doesn't matter what our culture says or what people say, even what the mirror says, but you, Jesus, you identify us as your own, as your beloved. No condemnation, only grace, only love. Thank you for that. Thank you for loving us well. And we remember and we're grateful. In Jesus' name, amen. You can take the elements. Our friends are going to come by with a receptacle. You can put your elements in there. And as they do, I also want to mention this. Another act of worship for us is generosity. So when we come together, we're celebrating what God has done in providing for us, taking care of us. I'm looking around the room. You're here. Your heart's beating. You've, you've got reason to celebrate and to be grateful. He's provided and he's made a way. So wherever you are, whatever situation you're in right now, we want to take another pause. And we want to say, Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for providing for us. You're a good provider. One who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And he owns all the hills. <laughs> he owns it all. And so we come before him and we participate in generosity and giving. And I always want to be mindful to thank you for your generosity and how you continue to give faithfully. And it makes possible to do what we do. I want to just show those ministries that we support and who we give to. You'll see those on the screen. Can you get your eyes on that? and Just whisper and breathe a prayer. Even as you read it, make that your prayer over them. These are ministries that we support all around the world. And I want to encourage you in something. You're not giving to the church. You're giving through the church. And our heart is to steward well the blessings that God brings our way. And so I want you to know as we continue to support, encourage, and bless that you're doing that. You're participating in that. So let's pray together. And Father, thank you for the privilege of giving. It is our heart and our joy to be generous. We do it, Lord, not just through gritted teeth and sheer obedience. We do it with joy. We do it with gratitude. We do it with a cheerful heart. And so thank you for blessing us so richly and abundantly. And Father, we give back to you and we sow to you for life change and for transformation. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Now, normally we stand up right here and we do a song. So I'm going to invite you to stand up. But we're going to do something a little bit different this morning. In fact, I want to read a passage of scripture to you. It's going to be the passage we're going to cover a little bit later. I have this incredible view when I come into town. I live off of 87 out towards Comfort. And as I'm coming back into town, there's this one spot Whereas I'm driving on the 87, I crest this hill and I see Fredericksburg in the surrounding hill country. And it's just, it's a short view, but it's an amazing view. And I look for it every time because I've got my landmarks down and I know exactly where it is. And almost every time, not every time, but almost every time, I begin to speak Ezekiel chapter 37 over our community, over our county, over our area. And that is the story where Ezekiel, a prophet, was told by God to speak to dry bones, to tell them to live. I mean, it was, it's powerful. So we're going to do a song. This is a new song. Here's what I don't want to happen. Don't get distracted by the music. Now, I'm a musician, so I, I love music, but don't get distracted by that. I really want you to lean into what we're about to sing and what we're about to declare because we're about to make a declaration of faith. And we're going to get in the spirit of Ezekiel 37. So I want to read it before we do the song. And as we go through the song and move through it, you posture yourself 
under the authority that God has given you, conferred upon your life, and you declare with confidence, not based on your behavior or anything else, but based on who Jesus says you are. So I want to share this with you. Ezekiel 37, the hand of the Lord came upon me, brought me out of the spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the midst of the valley, and it was full of bones. So he's seeing this dry valley of dry bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and indeed they were all very dry. That means they're not just dead, they're really dead. You know what I'm saying? Very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, O Lord God, you know. Again, he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Now I'm going to stop there because I'm going to save that thunder for later. So I'm going to stop there, but here's what we're going to do. We're going to step into the place of declaration this morning. And as we sing, let this be your declaration. As we speak to dry bones and we call them to live again. Amen. You believe God wants to raise up an army that's going to make a difference? Absolutely. Let's call them forth. Let's do it. Not gonna run out of miracles anytime soon. Oh. 
Amen, church. Open the grave, I'm coming out. <laughs> Please be seated if you can. Nothing is impossible. Do you believe that? Amen. Nothing is impossible. Nothing will be impossible. You know, it's interesting how we, as followers of Christ, we, get, we just sort of get into ruts. You know, you know what a rut is? It's, it's a grave with both ends knocked out. Have you heard that one before? We get into these ruts. Not that routine's a bad thing, but we tend to get in these ruts where Discovery just becomes a thing of the past. And you remember the good old days. I've been around Christians who, oh, they remember a move of God 35 years ago. Or they remember when God showed up and, and boy, they were having their typical, you know, spring revival and potluck dinner and all that fun stuff. And God showed up. Popped into a church one time in Lubbock, Texas. And just by chance, they were in revival. They were having a revival meeting. And, and I remember at the end of that service... The, the, the pastor there did a, an altar call, the evangelist, and literally half the church went to the altar. Now, that was like four or five days into it, and God had been working in that place. And suddenly, that altar was full of people on their knees weeping in repentance. And I remember going, well, I'm not being left out. I, just, I ran down the aisle, jumped right in the middle of a bunch of people I didn't know because I didn't want to miss anything. I've always had a real kid-like, child-like curiosity about things of God, about moves of God, about when God does extraordinary things. We're doing a series now, and it's called 40 Days of Rain. And what it is is I'm asking us to basically do this. That sounds fancy. It's nothing fancy. It's just 40 days of focus. 40 days where I'm asking you on each day to take a little bit of time Maybe while you're driving or while you're in the shower or while you're, whatever you're doing, maybe at work, whatever, you have a moment of downtime and just simply look to heaven and say, Lord, let it rain. Let it, let your presence fall on us. Lord, send revival. Lord, pour out your presence. Lord, Bring spiritual awakening to our region, to our area. Because here's, here's why I'm, I'm in that place right now. Is 
As much as I celebrate what God's doing in other places of the world, and I, I love to study historical revivals. I'm going to share one with you today. Another one, we talked about Evan Roberts at 26 years of age last week. The Welsh Revivals, 26 years of age, burned out in two years because at 26 he didn't know how to pace himself. And he flat wore himself out and had both an emotional and a physical collapse. Not a spiritual collapse, but an emotional and physical collapse because he just fried because he didn't understand the pace of grace. I'd like to think with us, we've learned a few things through the years, and we can see models of the past and say, ooh, don't do that, but do that. And there are things we can learn from historical revivals. And as much as I love them, I don't like always reading about them somewhere else. I preached the first sermon here four years ago, give or take, while we were still part of Oak Hills with Max Lucado, Randy Frazee, and the team over in San Antonio. And at that time, we were affectionately known as the church on the wall. We, had a, we did video stuff. And I remember I got a chance to preach, and it, and it wasn't one of the regular sermons. It was a standalone, which meant I got to preach on what I wanted to preach on. So I got super excited. And I preached the same first sermon I preached here. I preached that same message in Abilene, Texas, when I took that church and was blessed to become pastor there. And we were there for 10 years. And so as I got to step into this pulpit for the first time like that, I preached the same message because that message is not just something that's on a piece of paper or on an iPad. It's something that's burned into my heart. And it's called spiritual hunger. And the idea is this. Nothing moves the hand of God like spiritual hunger. God is looking for people that are hungry for him. That are hungry for him to show up. Hungry for him to move. That would dare to be what, what Joyce Meyer many years ago called believing believers. Those who are more than just along for the ride. More than, who, more than people who just come to church because they think it's a good idea for their kids. But actually people who are sold out to Jesus. And say, you know, I don't know what all that looks like or even what it's supposed to look like, but I'm going to dare to pray this prayer. Oh, God. Oh, God, use us. Use me. When Isaiah was before the throne of God and he, he was caught up in a vision and he saw God seated high on a throne. It's Isaiah chapter 6. And he saw God, he was like, all he could say is, woe is me in the presence of God. I want to encounter him like that. I want to be undone. Even Isaiah said, I am undone. <laughs> I am undone. I want to live undone. Because I'm not satisfied with status quo. Here's why. A number of years ago, we were in California. I've shared it so I won't go deep. But we experienced outpouring. We experienced revival. We experienced a move of God. The very things we're talking about, we got to participate in. And my mind was absolutely blown, and I was absolutely wrecked for normal. Ruined for normal. Because I felt like God wants to move everywhere the way we got to taste it when we were in Southern California. Because what it did is it changed family trees. It changed destinies. It changed the trajectory. In our case, we were student pastors. It changed the trajectory of these young people. 
When we saw a youth group go from 50, 60 kids to over 200 in one week, and we couldn't get more people in, and adults started coming to the youth meetings because God was showing up. Hello. They weren't showing up because of me. They were showing up because God was showing up. And so adults were like, move out of the way, kid. Move out of the way. I've been waiting for this for years. And we got to see God work. And many of those young people are in ministry right now, leading churches, pastoring churches. And it's so awesome to see what God did in that one little moment of time when God showed up. That'll mess you up. That'll wreck you. So I want to share with you my heart in, regard, in regards to revival. But I want to give you a definition. And then I want to share a little bit about another revival. Listen to this. The definition of revival. The word revive means this. It means to return to life or, conscious, or consciousness, to restore from a depressed, inactive, or unused state, to bring back, to become active or flourishing again. The word awake, because a lot of times we, we don't always connect with the word revival because we default to the the week-long thing we did in the spring and the one we did in the fall, I did in my tradition coming up. We had two a year. We wouldn't have revival any time else, just those two times a year. And uh, so we have a tendency to default, many do. So here's another word. It's the same thing, but it's awakening, spiritual awakening. Listen to this. The word awake means to become conscious. There it is again. Aware of something or active again. You know, in the morning when your alarm goes off, it's not always the most pleasant sound or tone that you appreciate, right? But what you do, you move into this weird state between being completely awake and completely asleep. You may be coming out of REM, hopefully, if you made it that night, you're coming out of a good night's sleep, and you're, for a few moments, you're in this fuzzy place where things aren't quite clear, defined. You may even be a little bit disoriented. It's in that moment that many Christians exist and do their Christian life in that place. They're not quite asleep. They're not fully awake. They're in the in-between time. And they're caught there. They're disoriented. They're not even sure where they are. You ever woken up and been in the middle of that, wait, where am I? What happened? They're not sure what time it is. They're not, nothing is clear. Everything is a little bit off. And many followers of Christ never quite get to the place of being fully awake, fully alive, fully engaged. I have to tell you, beloved, if you ever get to that place, you'll never want to leave it again. You'll never want to go back to nominal. You'll never want to go back to average. So let me share this with you. Biblically defined, revival in the Bible means any remarkable improvement in devotion to God by God's people. In other words, when people are moving forward, growing closer, that's considered revival. We see three of those in the book of Nehemiah. We're going to talk about a different one in the book of Ezekiel today as I shared some of that. Definition of revival. Here's another definition by Matthew Backholder. It says, An incredible outpouring of the Holy Spirit, which touches not only the church and believers, I love this, but people outside of the church. See, when real revival happens, it's literally as though a flood comes in and the water level rises. And a flood's not particular about where it goes. If you watch any of those documentaries on tsunamis, the bay drains, that's when you better start running. And it may be too late by then, right? 
you've ever seen that. The bay drains as the water's coming. It pulls the bay out, and then that wave with all that water that it took out comes all at once. But the water level rises everywhere, and it is no respecter of geography. Spiritual awakening and revival is the same. It always starts, but it always spills out into other places. We saw that in the Welsh revival with Evan Roberts, 1905, 1906. When revival came, the, the, the pit mules couldn't understand the orders of the coal miners anymore because all they knew was cussing and expletives. So they couldn't even, the mules stopped working the mines as the coal miners got born again. It shut the mines down until they could retrain the pit mules to understand normal language. Taverns were emptied. Tavern owners were furious with Evan Roberts because him preaching the gospel, people were getting saved and nobody was going to the taverns. All kinds of things happened because awakening happened. Revival happened. It impacted the culture all around it. Today we're going to talk about another revival, and I'm going to show you a picture of William Seymour. William Seymour was a black pastor of a tiny little church in Houston, Texas. Houston, Texas. And when he was there, he got word someone in Los Angeles, California somehow knew about him, knew he had studied under a man named Charles Parham, who was a revivalist from Topeka, Kansas. God had used Charles Parham in 1901 to birth a revival. It only lasted four months, but the impact was massive. It was the, it was the, the sound heard around the world, spiritually speaking. So even though it was short-lived, it had high impact. So he had gone and studied under Charles Parham. Charles Parham had relocated to Houston, and William would study. Now listen, you got to understand the times. Early 1900s. William was not allowed to sit in the classroom because he was black. So he spent hours sitting out in the hall watching the class through the door and watching them teach on spiritual things. Can you even believe that and imagine that? It's hard to even wrap your mind around. But instead of being daunted and offended by that, he could not be shaken away because he wanted more of God. And even when in the church where Charles Parham preached and where those students were and they are experiencing an outpouring of God, he was not even allowed to come in and tarry at the altar with the rest of them. So he would stay out on the porch, sitting on a stoop or stay out in the hallway or the porch of the church and watch from the outside looking in, hungry for God. Now that's spiritual hunger, family. That's the kind of tenacity God's looking for. He gets a, a letter from someone out in Los Angeles, California. I'll show this picture in a minute, so don't, don't show it. He gets a, a letter from someone in Los Angeles inviting him to come lead a church. He was pastoring a very tiny church while he was in school and in training. In fact, Charles Parham said, you're not quite ready. And he said, I, I, no disrespect, sir, but God is calling me to Los Angeles. So you can imagine in the early 1900s trying to travel from Houston, Texas to Los Angeles... It's arduous enough driving it. I've made the drive many times. So I know the drive. Can't even imagine how he had to get out there on trains and ways he got there. And he finally got there, and he came in, and his first week he preached on Sunday morning, preached on Sunday night, and then next week they fired him and locked him out of the church. That's how you start a revival. They didn't like what he was teaching. 
And he was devastated and distraught. You know, it's interesting, when you begin to study historical revivals, you'll see that there was a lot of disruption around revivals. In fact, there was often things just like this, firings. In fact, let me just tell you another piece of, of just to connect the dots for you, Evan Robertson Wells, a man who was a pastor at the First Baptist Church in Los Angeles, heard about the revival happening in Wales, traveled in 1904, can you imagine this, 1905, got on and traveled over to Wales and sat under Evan Roberts for a few meetings, went back to First Baptist Church Los Angeles and began to hold revival services and for four months held revival services every day that, of that four months. At the end of that four months, he got his letter from the church. They fired him. Church folk are not always excited about revival, I'm just saying. So now you've got two men fired because of their hunger and passion for God and wanting to see God move in Los Angeles. Doesn't sound like a hotbed of spiritual activity, does it? <laughs> in the midst of that, another preacher had been on the streets he was blind in one eye, maiming his leg, and he was a street preacher. And we would have looked at him and said, that dude's a nutcase. He was constantly preaching the gospel on the streets, doing evangelism. And it turns out there was a whole group of people, disconnected in some ways, who had been praying for revival in Los Angeles for years. Now the convergence of all this begins to come together because God is a God of timing, sequence, and order. And let me just say something. It's about God's timing, not ours. Right. Yes, indeed. Amen, Pastor. So we could, we could beg God for revival all day long, but if it's, if it, if it's not his timing, just keep praying. So what happened was this convergence of events happens. Now, William Seymour, Houston, Texas, poor, dirt poor, has no place to go. Another pastor of a mission, a small mission church, took him in because he knew that man had no place to go. He took him in just out of the spirit of hospitality, gave him a place to live, and what he did, he was working a day job, pastoring a church on the weekends, and William was home all day long, and William said, I am going to pray to God for revival in Los Angeles. Even after being fired, even after being rejected and dejected, and ejected from his church. They actually locked the doors and wouldn't let him back in. He started praying five hours a day on his face in the living room of that little house. The pastor who was hosting him began to join him when he would get off work. And the word started to spread. And other people would come and say, could we join you? We heard you're praying for revival in Los Angeles. We too believe God for revival. People began to join them. And, but in a very short amount of time... The living room was jam-packed. The hallways of the house were packed. And people began to spill out onto the porch and the lawn. And after a short time, hundreds of people started showing up just to pray. And here's how William extended his prayer time from five hours to seven hours a day on his face. Praying for Los Angeles. In fact, it got so, so crowded. Somebody said, we, we need to find a place to meet. So here's what they found. This, is a, this was an old Methodist church that had been abandoned, and it was being used as a warehouse. 
And they were able to secure this building. Somebody knew somebody who had it. It was a black Methodist church. And they got the house. They painted on the side of it, Apostolic Faith Gospel Mission. And it was on the corner of Azusa Street in Los Angeles. That's why it's called the Azusa Street Revival. They started holding meetings in there. And, and William was an interesting guy. But Charles Parham later said in recounting William was that he was the most humble man he'd ever met. He was blown away by his humility. And what happened was they started meeting in there and, and William began to preach. The place began to fill. In fact, it began to spill out into the streets and it caused a terrible disruption in that little area of town. The police had to constantly monitor the situation just in case these people got out of hand. And what happened was people began to see things on the building. In fact, they began to call the fire department on a regular basis because they saw smoke coming out of the building. Passerbys would see smoke and then later they reported flames coming out of the top of the building. And they would call the police department dispatcher to get the fire department there to come. And the first few times they came over and over and over. And there was never a fire. And no one else would see it. Some person would see it, but nobody else did. It was one of those manifestations of God's presence that's unique to that moment and that place. And the, police, the fire department finally quit coming because they said, oh, it's that church down there. It's on fire. And they quit coming. William had two shoe boxes, which were back then, they were like crates. It'd be like a fruit crate to us. And he would stack them together and he would kneel and he would put his head in the top one and, and cover himself. And sometimes he would pray up to a full hour before he ever got up to preach. What would happen if I did that? <laughs> It'd be crickets in here because y'all would leave. Y'all would go eat. We're hungry. It's time to go. So he would do that, and he would kneel, and he'd pray, and he'd seek God. And when he felt like it was the time, he would stand up, and he would preach. But here's the deal. He was a very humble man. In fact, what began to happen, as you can imagine, in any revival, a lot of fanaticism began to happen. People started showing up from all over, traveling from all over, and it got crazy and out of hands. You know what he would do? He would get up from his place, and he would walk over to somebody who was losing control, and he would say, ma'am, and he would put his little hand, he'd tap her, ma'am. That's the flesh. That's not the spirit of God. And then he'd go over to the next person that was out of control and he'd say, Sir, that's the flesh. That's not the spirit of God. He constantly unplugged the drama because he understood the disruption and distraction it would cause because all he wanted was people to be focused on Jesus. Amen. Many groups today, many mission movements, many denominations can now retrace their steps to Azusa Street, 1905, 1906, 1907. 1906, 7, and 8. Three years is how long it lasted. And the, when Pastor William quit coming down to the revival, he lived in a little apartment that they set up for him, he quit coming and they said, why are you, why are you not coming to the meetings anymore? He said, because God's not doing this anymore. He knew when it was gone and when they were done. Three and a half years it lasted. But over six, by estimates, over 600 million believers, 600 million can trace their spiritual heritage back to Azusa Street. Never despise small beginnings, family. Amen. Listen to this. In Ezekiel's time, I love this. In Ezekiel's time, 
it was during the Babylonian captivity, and we've talked about this in the past. 586 B.C., Nebuchadnezzar came in, they marched on Jerusalem and destroyed Jerusalem. Took the wall down, destroyed the temple again, and destroyed and decimated Jerusalem. Then they took all the leaders and the healthy young men out of Jerusalem and carried them off into captivity up to Babylon. And that's where Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego ended up. That's where Isaiah ended up. That's where Jeremiah ended up. It's where Ezekiel ended up. Jeremiah 29, 11. Remember that verse? Mm -hmm. For I know the plans I have for you. Plans to, not to harm you, but to prosper you. To give you a future and a hope. That prophecy was spoken during that time. They were in captivity when that prophecy was given. It was not the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was during that time that God gave Ezekiel three visions. And this, the last of the visions in Ezekiel chapter 37, I shared a little bit with you. It was the valley of dry bones. The short version is this. God spoke to this prophet in the midst of captivity. And he, saw, he had a vision and he saw this valley of dry bones. And he says, they were very dry. They weren't just dead. They were really dead. Very dry. And the Lord tells him to speak over and declare. And he did. He spoke over the valley of dry bones. He spoke two things. He commanded the bones to come together. And that's where he began to hear a rattle. That's where the song gets the title, Rattle. And then the second thing is he said, prophesy to the breath. In other words, speak to it. And God blew breath into these bones as they came together in this vision. And it became an army rising up. And what that was, it was the army of Israel restored. Now, lifting that out of its context, not to eisegete, but to say, what does that mean for us? I believe it means that God has given us the ability and the authority to speak life wherever we go. I'm saying whether it's your community, your workplace, your home, or the place you play and frequent. To be able to walk into a place and think in these terms, I have conferred authority on my life because Jesus has given me all I need. Everything I need for life is right here. Because Christ, the greater one, lives in me. And because he lives in me, I have what he has, and I am who he is, which means I now have been given conferred authority to speak, declare, and to speak life and hope and grace. And when I say grace, I'm not talking about swinging in a hammock. I'm talking about power. God's power, God's strength, God's ability, God's authority, God's favor to do what you cannot in and of yourself do. That is real grace. That's Bible grace. It's not a get out of sin free card. It's a go and make disciples of all nations card. It's your mission pass. It's your, it's your passport. And God says, I've got you and I want you to walk in the authority I've given you. So what is my ask? Here's my ask today. And this is a series. We're rolling this out over the next, which is called 40 Days of Rain. We're seven days into it. And I'm asking you for a very simple thing. Would you join with me in praying on a daily basis? Set your alarm on your phone, whatever it takes. Uh, go on my Facebook. Follow me on Facebook. I'm doing a daily devotional on there on both our Fredericksburg, uh, Bridge Church Fredericksburg page, on our Instagram account, and on mine. So follow, and that way you can follow along, and I'm track every day with this. 
And I'm asking you to simply take some time and pray. Lord God, I don't know what, be honest. I don't know what it's supposed to look like. I don't think we're supposed to try to reproduce the past. Pastor Jimmy hasn't gotten a crate up there to stick his head in or anything. What, was it, what would it look like today for revival? Here's what I believe about revival as I've prayed about it for a long time. I don't believe it's going to be one church or one place. I believe God wants to break something out all over the place. But it's not, and I believe it's going to be grassroots level. I believe it's going to happen in small towns and big cities. I don't think it's going to be relegated to the mega churches or the, or the not mega churches. I think all of that is irrelevant to God's heart. I think God just want, is looking for some hungry people who just want him over the stuff of this world. I don't know if you've noticed lately, but this world is not doing great. Why would we want what this world has to offer when we have heaven at our disposal? We have everything he has. He said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. So you've got your choice. Choose life. Choose him. And here's the deal. God's goal is not to make you weird. God, God's goal is not to set you up for weirdness. It's actually to empower you to fulfill the call and destiny on your life. You are here for a reason and for a purpose. And you may not quite have stepped into it yet. But have you asked lately, Father, what do you want to do with me? What's my purpose? What's the point? We all ask that about 17 years of age, 16. Well, what's the point? What's the point? What's the point? And God's been trying to get it to you ever since. What is the point? You have a role to play. You have a purpose. Listen, don't panic. Don't get, oh, man, if I get too serious about God, he's going to send me to Africa. No, he did that with Jeffrey and Suzanne. So he's going to probably send you into the places where you live, work, and play. And you're going to be so full of life and so full of him that all you do is show up and leak out what you're full of. This is not that deep, family. Would you join me in praying for revival, starting with us? So here's three things I've been saying. I want to get this to you. Why not here? Why not now? Why not us? And I hope churches all over the world are praying that same prayer. Can you imagine if we're all praying the same prayer? Why not now? Why not here? Why not us? Would you join me in praying that every day? I'm not asking you to be a William Seymour. Neither is God. There was only one of those. He broke the mold on William. I'm not asking you to be an Evan Roberts. God broke the mold on Evan. Asking you to be who you are and who he has created you to be. To be yourself, full of him, and to be a leaky vessel. You have cracks because you're leaking out his life everywhere you go. That's why we have to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Because we're leaky. Amen? I'm going to invite our worship team up here. Would you bow your heads and pray? We're going to go out with worship. Kind of, a, kind of been a little bit of a favorite around here. And it's a little bit of a swampy song we're going to do. But I want to pray as we get ready. Father, in the name of Jesus. I'll invite you to go ahead and stand to your feet. Father, in the name of Jesus, we're asking the question, why not here? Why not now? 
why not us? Lord Jesus. We love you. We honor you. We're here to, to walk with you. And to, as Pastor Steve Berger says, do the next thing you tell us to do. That's it. We're on a mission to obey. We're on a mission to respond to your leading. That's our heart. So, Father, continue to teach us. Even as we examine revivals of old and history, Lord, teach us what that means for us today. Here's what I know. You're coming again, and I think it's sooner than later. So, Lord, we want to be prepared and ready and open. And, Father, if what Max Lucado told me two and a half, three years ago, that in his prayer time you told him that there is a harvest, an unprecedented harvest of souls coming, we want to be in on it. We want to be ready. So we honor you, we bless you, we offer this up to you, we offer ourselves. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. amen. Let's go out with worship.
grave I'm walking to. Don't you know it? If you walked out of the grave I'm walking to. If you walked out of the grave I'm walking to. Some of you may be ready to go. Some may be ready to stay. So we're just going to do a little bit more worship. We invite you to stay around. If your cup is not quite full, we got something else for you. Y'all join us with some more worship.
Amen, church. Let's be the church. Let's be the body of Christ. Amen. Be blessed as you go. You're dismissed.